0: The following episode of A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages features a discussion about various ways in which credit scores can impact a mortgage loan and home buying process. Please be advised that the information discussed here is intended for broad discussion only and should not be interpreted as definitive advice for your personal financial endeavors. For an accurate analysis of your own financial situation, please contact a licensed financial professional. Thank you. Are you looking to buy your first home or refinance your existing loan? Even if you've done this before, the process can be a little intimidating. But don't worry, we've got your back. In each episode, we'll chat with industry experts and explain everything you need to know so that you can land the perfect loan for you with no problems, no issues, and no stress. Welcome to A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages, presented by Animac Home Mortgage. Hello again everyone and welcome to A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages. I am Jerry Strauss and this time out we are here to talk about really one of the most important factors. If you guys are out there even thinking about buying a home tomorrow, next month, years from now, people focus on so many different things to prepare for this. It's a big deal Um, and a lot of people focus on how much money they have in the bank, how much they've got ready to go at the time that they purchase. But Equally important, I'd say, and maybe my guests will say even more so, is something else that they need to prepare for, something else they need to work on and think about, and that, of course, is credit. With me this week, we've got from Animac Home Mortgage, uh, Brian Offner, uh, business development manager, and also uh, one of our mortgage loan originators at Animac, Tom Fox. Guys, how are you today?
1: Good morning. Good morning. We're doing good. I'm, I'm doing great. Tom, you? Good morning, Jerry.
2: Yeah, doing great. Happy to be here with you and share a little bit of insight into our world.
0: Thank you. Well, we certainly need it, I think. And I'm right here with all the people who are listening, because there's always more that we can learn about this process, more that we can know. And credit is something that I think has come up more and more, especially this year, a tumultuous roller coaster ride uh, (laughs) that we've had in the the real estate world, in the mortgage world. how important do you think people uh understand credit to be because i think there's a lot of misconception about just how far in advance you have to start thinking about
2: this and just what a big deal it actually is
1: go ahead tom i'll let you tee that one up
2: sure well you know i i think it's it's really important right because your credit report and your credit score is one of the factors that help go into buying a home or buying a mortgage But the credit report is really just an indicator of your likelihood to repay. Right. So in the mortgage world, we use that to help set them up for the types of programs and the amount that they need to put down to buy a home. So what I what I say to people that are starting to think about buying a home is the very most important. The very first thing that they should do is they should speak to a mortgage professional and have a pre-qualification or a pre-approval done so that they understand where they are. And the term that I love is helping people to right size their expectations. So if we do that and we help them to focus on the right priced home with the right amount of down payment, with the right payment for them, then we can help them to understand where they should be looking the homes that they should be making offers on and ultimately helping to increase their level of joy and expectation when they finally do win an offer and buy a home that's really
0: you know that sounds like a a great start for people and that's really what this show is all about arming them if you will with the the knowledge to prepare for this process even if it is somewhere down the road for them uh now just to kind of make it clear for those of us who are total rookies for this process, how does one's credit affect the mortgage rates that they're able to get, or the amount of loans that they're able to get? Like, how how um, how important is it, even beyond just qualifying for a loan? But how does better credit help to improve
2: their situation? Well, I'm going to pitch that to Brian first, just in terms of the credit piece, and then we can circle back to rates and programs that are a part of that.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tom. I think there's one super important thing to talk about at this juncture, Um, because most consumers, right, they when they're managing and looking at their own credit, they're using sites like Credit Karma or Experian or transunion.com, right? So a credit report pulled from Credit Karma is gonna tell one story to the consumer. So the consumer is gonna assume, hey, my Credit Karma score says I'm a 680. And according to these mortgage guidelines I hear about, I need to be above a 640 or 680. So so I am good to go, like in the consumer's mind. Well. One thing that's really important to understand is that there is a difference between your credit score and your FICO score. Fair Isaac's company owns the algorithm for FICO. FICO is what anybody, any company uses to make lending decisions on. So, whether that's a car loan, a mortgage, a credit card, um, they're all going to pull Fair Isaac's algorithm, your FICO score, which is not your credit score, which is not your credit karma score. So, even more importantly that what Tom talked about, when you're in the stages of looking to buy a home, to have that mortgage uh, loan officer pull a copy of a FICO report to see where your true numbers are at. Because we do find a huge discrepancy between the Credit Karma credit score, where the consumers feel like their scores are at and their lendability is at off of that number, versus the actual FICO score. And the, the reason there's a difference there, I'm not going to get totally geeky on the algorithm, but you're talking FICO runs from 350 to 850, uh, where um, Credit Karma and and the scores there run from a 300 to a 900. So there's a baked in hundred point variance, and the reason for that, I think a lot of consumers ask me this, and I, and it's probably one of my number one watched YouTube videos. If you search me, it was the difference between FICO and and credit and credit score. Is that um, the biggest difference with those two scores? And it's usually lower on the um, on the FICO side. Is that people are surprised in the eleventh hour that their their scores are not where they expect them to be? I had another train of thought that just slipped me, but I mean, it's it's super important for them to understand that, you know, oh, it's what it was. So if if your score is free and it's a soft pull that is your credit score. If there's a hard inquiry, that is your FICO score. So that's just a good rule of thumb. And there's, you know, you don't want people out there peppering up your credit report, but um, that is a good rule of thumb to know where your true lendability is as far as your credit score goes. If someone did a hard pull, that's your true FICO score. If you paid somebody and you're getting this free report off of freecreditreport.com or Credit Karma, that's your credit score. And that score is completely useless. I mean, it really is. It's not like you could print that credit report, walk into a dealership, and hand them your credit report. They're gonna run their FICO algorithm and get you a true FICO score for um, securing financing. So I think that's a, a really important because I deal with consumers all the time starting that process of home ownership. And that's always the biggest surprise is when Tom pulls credit and it's different than their FICO score. So Brian,
2: that's that's a great point, right? So that's part of the expectation of doing a pre-approval and getting started. But Jerry, circling back to your question specifically... How does credit impact someone's ability to get a mortgage? So when we talk about scores, right, Brian had mentioned something, you know, 350 to 850 and the numbers in between there. So in the lending world, in our covid period time, right, we're looking for scores that are north of 620 and each 20 point bucket that you go above that, so from 620 to 640, 640 to 660 and so on, all the way up to about 760 every 20 basis points that you go up with your FICO score impacts the lending decision. And it used to be prior to 2008. If you ran someone's credit and you ran their information in the mortgage qualifying program, which we call either desktop underwriter or loan prospector, which is an automated underwriting system that a loan officer uses to help give you a finding a score of approve eligible or not. It used to be that if you were approve eligible, you got the rate that was available. The problem is, is that today credit is evaluated based on your likelihood to repay and the amount of risk that you pose. So the higher your score is, the better rate you get, the lower your score is, the higher rate or the more it costs you to get a lower rate. So it's it's pretty simple. Everything that you do prior to buying a home to improve your credit score, your FICO score is going to save you money in the long run, in interest and in closing costs. So It's really when people get very specific with questions and they want to know exactly what is your rate and they want to know exactly how much my costs are going to be. And those are very specific questions with very specific answers. And the only way to respond to that is we need to be able to evaluate your credit, your income and your assets to be able to answer that question. Now rates right now for people that have outstanding credit are in the low twos for shorter period terms and in the upper twos to low threes for 30 or fixed rate terms. But that's the best that it gets. And if your credit scores are lower, you should expect your rate and your cost to be slightly higher. Now that doesn't mean that we can't coach them and help them and guide them. Um, Brian Offner is my partner when it comes to helping people improve their credit. So when we start out the process, regardless of what their score is, I tell them, look, I said, I see certain things in your report that look like they could impact your overall findings. And I think it would be a good idea to have a conversation with Brian and talk about what we can do while you're looking for a home. And and I'll share with you, I had a client that Brian and, and I have, have helped. And when they first came to me, they had the money to buy a house they were in a position where they had been living with family and they were ready to make a move. And they didn't take the advice of doing a pre-approval earlier on in the process. And when they came to me, their credit score was a 580 and they weren't qualifying for buying the homes that they were looking at. So we took a few months and we gave them some advice and some guidance and they took it and they improved their credit scores. And when we helped them buy a home, their credit score was over 680. And they qualified for the home. Their rate was lower, their costs were lower, and they were very happy that they did the things that we guided them to do. Now, we're not always right. And we're not, you know, credit is like when Brian talks about the algorithm behind there. We can't predict everything that's going to happen with credit. But we know if you pay your bills on time, your score is going to be better. We know if you pay your balances down, your scores will be better. If you pay your mortgage on time, your scores will be better. And conversely, if you don't do those things, your score will be worse. Right. But how many points it'll go up? how long it takes to get you to that next level. Those are some of the things that we can't answer scientifically, but we can certainly put them in the right direction. And that's where the team approach is something that I really appreciate from Brian and his team.
0: You know, people talk about the term credit health and really it's it's a perfect metaphor for anyone's health or fitness, or it's really the same thing when you, when you describe it like that. It's the idea of um, if I want to become more fit, uh do i want to you know set a goal of just losing a specific amount of weight so i can fit into a particular pair of pants or do i want to make it a healthy practice and a healthy habit and continue to improve my level of health and improve my level of fitness and benefit in the long term for it i think you guys are talking about the same thing it's the idea of do you want to just be able to barely qualify for something some sort of home that you can buy or do you want to make it a healthy practice over a longer term period of time and really set yourself up for a, a better situation when that time comes to buy? It, well, Jerry, I you?
2: absolutely. And I I have boy girl twins that are sophomores in college at Kutztown. And I tell them all the time about a thousand mile journey starts with the first step. Hmm. If you commit to going in the right direction, you can continue to do that. Right. And the same type of thing that that I share with them, that simple advice is do your best. People are always worried about where they are and how they need to get to the next step. Do your best right now today and do the right things, show the right behaviors, the right attitudes, the right spending behaviors, and we can help them get to a better place.
0: You know, you had mentioned earlier, Brian, about peppering up your your credit uh, scores, Uh, and I think that plays into something that I was always curious about. I think that's one of those misconceptions out there. What is a common preferred practice for uh, doing credit checks? I, I think a lot of people believe that it's very harmful to have a lot of credit checks done. A lot of people believe that it's totally fine. What are some of those habits that need to be avoided or are able to be done uh when you're in a process where maybe you want to check and 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 look and see how your improvements have been going over a period of time
1: yeah no that's a it's a great question and um it's um <clears throat> it's it's a couple fold. so i'll, I'll start with the biggest um right. basically the the biggest um, culprit of peppering up a credit score is a car dealership, right? So this just comes down with just educating yourself as a consumer on how to minimize this damage, right? So what I tell you know, my clients and what I tell when I do like coaching is um, go into a car dealership, knowing what your highest credit score is, knowing what you, let's say you run a free credit report or you're mounted in your credit karma and you're transiting into 740 your experience is a 680 and equifax is a 700. So let's say you know your transunion is your highest score. When you go to that dealership, tell the finance manager, tell the guy, "Hey, is my highest score. Don't even bother pulling the other two. Just do two lenders, the transunion and and give me the highest probability off of, you know, two inquiries, three inquiries because what people don't understand is when that finance manager has your File up, they can shotgun your file to three or four different lenders at each bureau. So, car dealerships only do a single merge credit report. So, they're only going to each finance company is only reporting to one bureau. So, they'll pepper it up and hit you with 12 different inquiries across your entire credit, you know, three bureaus trying to find you the best rate. Well, if you just told them, like, hey, I'm a 740 Trans Union. Don't even bother with the other two. They're not. If you're not going to get me a better rate, we talked about risk based pricing. Like that bucket. Like just put me to the highest bucket with the high, the best finance person uh, immediately. So th- that's important to know. The other thing is stop. Well, I'm saying it like I'm talking to someone, but stop. Uh, stop trying to get credit cards if you're not above a 660 or a 680. You know your your Capital One Discover cards they're all going to be 660, 660, 680 up. So don't apply for those cards and take the hit. If you just would have, you know, did a little research and found out where you need to be first before you apply for those cards, you could avoid the, um, the hard inquiries and, and you know, that score taking a hit across the board. Like, you know, we, I deal a lot with business owners as well. Inquiries are a huge, huge deal in the business financing space. So if you are a business owner, you have above a 680, you're looking to get lines of credit to help support your business or have it as reserves or invest in, in real estate, which is a lot of the clients that I see, uh, you need to minimize inquiries by all means, like have as little to none as possible so that you maximize your score, maximize your 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 buying potential or your lending potential. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's across the board. That's something that, you know, I I always joke, like I skipped a lot of classes in college, but never one that was credit one-on-one. Like we don't, you don't learn it. Right. It's not like a course you could take. So it's either trial and error. And I found it's, it's, a lot of it is behavioral driven. We talked about like, you know, going to the gym and working out, like that's a certain behavioral mindset that allows people to get the results, right? So if you think of it like your credit um, is your health, right? Some people are, you know, they should be scheduling a one mile walk. Other people can schedule the marathon, right? It's just no judgment on where you're at. It's just where you're at, right? And we'll we'll keep moving the needle and keep coaching and educating you on what to do to get to the next level. Because a lot of people invest in their credit and they think, oh, I'm just going to pay money and someone's going to magically fix my credit. Well, it doesn't work that way anywhere in life. And it certainly doesn't work that way in credit. It's your credit. So it's your behaviors. And you need to do the behaviors that get you the results you're looking for. And like Tom said before, you know, we coach people and we advise them on the proper behaviors that we've seen statistically get the best results, which are three things when you're looking at credits. What items, negative items, can you get updated or deleted from the credit profile? Uh, what can you pay down? So what credit cards? What's your utilization? Do you have an
2: question account?
1: What are some of the items you can pay off that will help drive the scores up? And then adding positive trade lines where you have to maybe get a secure card or an unsecured card or have a family member add you as an authorized user to help add that positive history to help carry and drive the scores up. So there is a strategic plan of attack when you're looking at someone's credit, you know, portfolio and saying, all right, what pieces do you have and what pieces are you missing? And think of it like a, a pizza pie. You know, the more slices you have in the entire credit algorithm, the better the chance are you to drive the scores up. And that's where we look for opportunities. Someone missing a, a slice somewhere and what can we coach them as far as adding that to the puzzle? So that's, what's going to get you long lasting credit Improvement is understanding the behaviors and then holding yourself accountable to executing on that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good. I, I mean, it seems like seems like a universal approach that that anyone could take to to try to improve their situation. What are some specific areas that you guys have seen where you know just to get a little more specific, where you go, okay, th- these are just common practices, even if they're maybe not in a position to get that get that detail. There, They're not that close to their situation, but they're looking to buy a home two, three, five years down the road. Just in general, what are some things that people can do to make sure that they are on the road to maximizing their, their credit scores for when the time comes?
2: Well, Brian, I'll start first with something that's extremely simple. Make your payments on time, um, right? So that's, that's the first step is doing that. But I'll let Brian kind of comment on utilization because that's another big part of it.
1: Yeah. Utilization is super important. So if anyone's not familiar with that term, it's basically the amount of available credit to you versus the amount of credit you're using. So uh, let's just say you had a thousand dollar credit card and you owed $980, right? So you're at a 98% utilization, pretty much maxed out. So if you think of your and I'm sure consumers seen their, their credit report look like a heart rate monitor where it goes up and down, up and down. Typically that's utilization. So when you're able to pay that $1,000 credit card below $300 and stay under 30% utilization, you're going to maximize the amount of points available to you per the algorithm and the scores are going to go up. And then literally overnight, you can max out that credit card. They're going to say, oh, you know, they're, they're overextending, they're close to the max. They're going to reassess that risk and they're going to drop your credit score down. So one thing that I always coach everybody, um, typically it's like three to four months is what I'm advising prior to knowing you're going to secure financing or, or start looking is to, uh, pay all your credit cards down below 30%, keep them there. And, uh, you're going to maximize that credit score so that when someone like Tom pulls a credit report, we're not, um, you Know having to add another layer of things to do, well, you know, advising them they have to pay their credit cards down if they do that up front to be proactive, it just puts them in the strongest position possible. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: Um, is there anything else? I mean, just as far as good practices, just day to day stuff, even if it's someone who's just out of college, somebody you know, still living at home, or you know. Uh, Young married couple, whatever the case may be, anybody kind of looking toward the future, whether they're, whether they're, you know, 18 or 80 years old, any other day to day sorts of things that they can look towards that are easy ways to kind of improve their situation over time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to. You have to paint a picture to the credit bureaus of your ability to pay people back, right? So the cash is king, the you know, the pizza shop shoebox money days are no good for financing, right? You gotta play the game a little bit. So what I would advise young kids to do coming out of college is get a secured card, throw three, four hundred bucks on it. Um, even first-time homebuyers, you know, you gotta have a secured line of credit. Go get an unsecured card, you know, a first premiere cap one will give you um you know, three, 500 hour limits, you manage those well. And then you can get a car, you know, finance a car. And then I would even recommend like installment loans right now are super uh, heavy on the algorithm in a good way. So if you're able to get one or two installment loans, maybe you go to Best Buy and you're going to buy a laptop uh, instead of paying cash, just get an installment loan on that. And and think of it like you're investing in building your credit where I don't focus so much on, you know, the interest rate, obviously you don't want to pay more way more than you have to but whatever that margin is is a good investment in that credit score because like we talked about you may have to spend a little more upfront when you're building that file so you could pay way less when it's um you know you have a plus credit you're going to get that a paper uh lent to you so i would focus on those couple things make sure you're you have a secured card um one or two unsecured cards Keep all the balances below 30%, get an installment loan or two. And then obviously a car payment um, in the mix too will help. Like I talked about those pieces of the puzzle, the, the pizza pies, that would be a good start. And let's say someone had a completely zero file, nothing on it. And they added a secure card, two unsecured cards. I mean, they're going to come into the game at that high 600s, knocking on 700 right out the gate. So um, that's a good behavioral starting point. Nice. Great. Well, I
0: mean, guys, thank you so much for, for sharing all this information with us. I think a lot of people need to hear it, need to know it, or at least need to be reminded about it as part of the process as they're looking ahead towards buying a home. Uh, what to, to close it out here, what do you think are some of the uh, the directions? I mean, as far as trending goes, as we look towards next year and the year after that, and the year after that, Will the importance of credit continue in this whole process? Will it get bigger? Will it go away? Where do you think uh, people need to look towards when they're looking ahead towards their future and our future?
2: Well, Jerry, I'll answer that. Credit is always going to be one of the building blocks for creating a foundation for anything that we do in our lives, whether it's insurance insurance for a car, for a home, whether it's mortgage rates, whether it's buying a car, whether it's credit cards, anything that we do, it is one of the core criteria, right? They talk about the four C's credit, capacity, collateral, and character. Those are the four things that we look at in terms of the big picture from lending and credit is the foundation. So everyone should always understand that it's going to be a part of their lives, whether they like it or not. And the people that disregard that or the people that pay for things in cash and say they don't need credit, um, those are the ones that are going to be misled when they do need it. So I think I could finish with saying that credit will always be important now and forever.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And I uh, We appreciate your time. We appreciate all the uh, data, the info you just dropped on us. And uh, hopefully you guys have gotten a lot out of this one. This has been a a great episode of the show. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys.
2: Thank
1: you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And
2: Jerry, if anybody needs to reach out to us for Um, doing a pre-approval. They want to buy a home. They want to refinance with rates where they are as well as as good as they are right now. Um, They can reach me always by sell. It's the best way to reach me, which is 856-904-0151. Thanks so much for your time, Jerry. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share our our knowledge and uh, our time in the business. You too. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Take care. You too.
2: Thank you for joining us for
0: this episode of A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages. We encourage you to subscribe to our show for free on your favorite podcast provider in order to receive new episodes as soon as they are posted. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating. Your feedback means the world to us. To learn more about mortgage loans or to speak with a licensed loan expert, please visit Annie-Mac.com. Until next time, remember, wherever you go, there you are. The episode you just heard of A Beginner's Guide to Mortgages features a discussion about various ways in which credit scores can impact the mortgage loan and home buying process. Please be advised that the information that was discussed here is intended for broad discussion only. and should not be interpreted as definitive advice for your professional or personal financial endeavors. For an accurate analysis of your own financial situation, please contact a licensed financial professional. Thank you.